We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready for rapid fire? I'm always ready for some rapid fire. And I want you Uh-oh. to start with uh, that the question kind of we didn't get to that was from the boards talking about the defense blitzing. I, I thought that was a really kind of good question to get into. Okay. You want to do that? Yeah, please. Let's do that. So I saw this question on the boards. Are there times when a defense can blitz too much in practice such that it becomes counterproductive? for the development of the offense and what it needs to accomplish in practice. What do you think about that, Mr. Former Blitzer, sometimes himself? <laughs> so, yes, it is counterproductive. So now now allow me to elaborate here a little bit. Um, and, and the real reason I wanted to talk about this is because I ran into this situation before. We were in practice, and I, I remember – at one point our offensive coordinator just honestly cussing out the defensive coordinator because he's saying dude you're blitzing and you know what our offense is it's the same offense that we've been running the last month we're trying to particularly work on something here and you guys just keep blitzing away blitzing away blitzing away and it really sometimes cannot allow the offense to get into or practice what they're trying to accomplish for that day and it was just so funny because it's like you know, players get into it, you know, that kind of stuff. But to see your kind of coaches kind of getting into each other a little bit, it, it was really kind of funny to see at times. And and then, you know, it it really would piss off our offensive coordinator. I bet. We'd just be sitting there blowing up their plays, and then we start blitzing and blowing it up even worse. And it's like, well, we're not even getting anything accomplished. You know, like, what is the point <laughs> of this period? And sometimes, I'm not kidding you, we had to restart a period. Um, sometimes because of this, like, because the offense simply didn't get through the script to plays that they wanted to. Gino Gadulli, the quarterback's coach was talking about it. When we talked to him last weekend, he was asked specifically about Navy's blitzing. And Gino was like, look, our defense has every blitz known to man. We've seen them all <laughs> at this point. Right? That's so, the like... advantage of uh, Al Golden and and that kind of NFL S scheme is you come up with the creative ways to get blitzers in there. Yeah. And I mean, we definitely saw more of the blitzing in the spring where it looked like it's like, okay, are you just working on blitzing or is this, is this kind of your base? What are you doing here? But yeah, I think that's very interesting because there are definitely things that, you know, just, that the offense needs to work on with, without having to face a, 
a live hot blitz every play to figure things out. They just kind of, you know, need to get some normal sort of base things in. And I don't think that the blitzing probably helps them too much. But uh, yeah, so that's that's interesting and, and uh, interesting insight on the back end of that. So fill in the blank. It's blank that according to Heather Dinich of ESPN, Jack Swarbrick told her the reason Notre Dame advocated for Cal and Stanford to join the ACC was because, quote, the notion that two of the very best academic institutions in the world who also play D1 sports could be abandoned in this latest chapter of realignment is an indictment of college athletics, end quote. Go. It's logical, you know, it, knowing what kind of – you remember when Jack Schwarber came out with all of the, you know, the comments on the NIL and, mm -hmm. you know, there was that big monologue that he posted and then mm -hmm. he went on a lot of, you know, syndicated, you know, appearances, radio appearances, podcasts, whatever it might be, and he really was emphasizing on the point of, it's taking, you know, certain aspects of this is taking away from the student athlete experience. And he was really emphasizing the student part and then the athlete part. And so when he comes out and, and says this, it's logical because he has respect for the fellow kind of academically, you know, rigorous, high standard schools across the country. And I feel like he he he, he feels a sense of, you know, that he owes these school, the kind of owes these school owes these schools the effort to try to, you know, help them stay afloat in, in, in a situation like this. It's kind of like a ring of a, a, or an alliance of kind of, you know, some of these, again, academically prestigious schools to kind of look out for each other, especially with all of the shuffling uh, of the teams right now. Yeah. And I mean, look, I get the people who are saying Notre Dame has no business, you know, trying to, you know, play a part in this getting Stanford and Cal forcing them on the ACC, you know, when Notre Dame, you know, could also join the ACC, but they obviously won't. And it's it's a completely valid argument from that side. Why should they be sticking their nose into this, right? Like, I I, I, I get why people would be pushing back on this. But there, there are other sides to this whole thing as well, because he does have, a you know, a point. Of, and just what you said right there, you're essentially advocating for other academic institutions who are – just left dangling out there. What's going to happen to him going forward? But how about the fact that less than a week ago, Oregon and Washington were both completely ready to stay in the Pac-12. They were going to make a go of it. And then at the 11th hour, who comes in? It wasn't the Big Ten with the, with the push. You know, maybe the Big Ten nudged them, but it was Fox. A TV network steps in and decides that they'd be better off if they had Oregon and Washington so that they could play, you know, Ohio State and Michigan, that that's better than Ohio State and Michigan, obviously playing Rutgers and Maryland, that it's better for the Fox TV inventory. So Fox stepped up with more money to get Oregon and Washington into the Big Ten. You know, so like Notre Dame's a third party in this whole Stanford Cal ACC discussion that's going on. But Fox was a third party as well. And they they they. You know, Notre Dame is is nudging this situation. Fox active, actively took part of it. And, you know, that's like the whole thing. That's obviously TV money is behind all of this. So, like, you know, nobody's yelling at Fox, though, in all of this. But because it's Notre Dame, it's a lightning rod, and everyone wants to light them up from the outside. Now, again, there are other parts of this. And, and by the way, it, again, like the Pac-12 is, is still at least the Pac-8 
right now. If Fox doesn't jump in and, you know, up the ante to give the money to those schools, you know, if, if Oregon and Washington, they were completely willing to stay like the rest of the PAC 12 thought that they were going to stay and the conference would still be together right now. And, you know, Notre Dame's trying to help Kent Stanford and Cal stay afloat. Fox was just looking out for itself, but no, again, nobody's going after them. But the other side of this still is Stanford and Cal could just stick with Oregon state and Washington state and form some kind of merger with the mountain West conference. But Stanford and Cal don't want that because they're, you know, they look at themselves as these high and mighty academic institutions, and they think that they're too good for the Fresno states and San Diego states of the world. So there are other options for Stout, for Cal and Stanford out there, but they think that their academics are too good to be associated with, you know, the rest of these Mountain West conference schools. So, it, you know, it's, it's hard to feel completely sorry for them because they're a part of this as well. There are options for them. It's just that they're choosing not to take it because they think, you know, they're putting their academics like, you know, like, like not everyone, you know, not, not every school in the ACC is Notre Dame and, and Duke. There are other, there are other schools in the ACC with different academic standards. Yeah. And I think Michael Campbell actually brought up a, a pretty good point in the chat. It's, you know, Notre Dame has a seat at the college football playoffs and they have on the board and they have positive, you know, positive financial business deal bringing in profits to the ACC conference because the only sport that they're not, you know, aligned with the ACC is football. And, I, you know, you could say hockey, too. But realistically, the majority of Notre Dame sports are part of the ACC. And so, you know, it, it looks good on behalf of Jack Schwarbrick, you know, proactively trying to help out the conference, in my opinion, and help out. You know, he does have a seat at some high tables, right? And so, well, yeah, I think it's it's very beneficial and a good look on Jack Schwarbert's part, in my opinion. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I think it, it it's honestly helping the ACC because Vince and I talked about this yesterday. I don't understand why the ACC is bickering so much internally when now they need to get proactive and really go after some of these teams because they're really the only conference that hasn't done anything, right? Like in the, in the, the Pac-12 has seen major changes because teams are leaving. And then the Big Ten and Big 12 are obviously adding these teams. Well, what has the ACC done in this process besides internally bicker with each other? It seems like right. Jack Schwarberg's the only person right now proactively doing something on behalf of the ACC. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, 
you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you want to, if, if you're really interested on the Pac-12's demise and why it all led to where things are right now, because like the Pac-12 over the last few years has had opportunities. They had the opportunity to get a TV contract before the Big 12 did, you know, and they obviously had other opportunities to add Big 12 teams. But listen, listen to the this week's edition of the Marshand and Oran Sports Media podcast. They they talk about you know all these different things that happened and why they are where they are right now. It's basically you know it's, you know I'm talking about Cal, Stanford and Cal kind of looking their noses down at everyone. The entire Pac-12, the Pac-12 leadership looked down at everyone. They thought that they were worth far more than what they were worth. And the bottom line right now is, you know, like Florida State, for example, sees all this money in the SEC and the Big Ten, and they want a part of it. Well, there's 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 only as much TV money that, you know, that that is accessible as the TV networks are willing to give. And right now, they're not really willing to give anymore and you know like they don't like if if espn saw stanford and cal as really in-demand products they might actually pony up a little bit of money and you know kind of help the acc make this happen but the tv networks just aren't willing to give that much more and you know unless you are for example oregon and washington and you bring some big value to the table then you got fox ponying up but again the martian or you know they they went through the whole thing and yeah so i mean the point you make about swarbrick like why wouldn't he try to help someone that they obviously have a long-term relationship with it it's that that doesn't mean that it's about notre dame wanting to get into the acc and like they're setting it up to you know to to give themselves you know some other path into the acc and at the same time, you know, like the, like the ACC people who are all ticked off about, well, Notre Dame needs to be in the conference, you know, if they're going to be doing it. Like, look, I've said this before, the AC, the, the, the TV contract the ACC has right now, you might have schools that are mad about it, but they wouldn't even be getting the dollar amount that they are getting if Notre Dame didn't have this partial relationship with the ACC. They wouldn't have the ACC network if Notre Dame wasn't involved in this. So like all this stuff, even though Notre Dame isn't a full-fledged member, Notre Dame really is still, Notre Dame's involvement in this TV contract is really propping the ACC up to even where it is right now, even if nobody over there thinks that it's good enough right now. That's just the way it is. Let's make some predictions here. Captains. It's got to be happening here pretty soon. We still don't know who Notre Dame's captains are are predict two offensive two defensive captains uh offense is easy for me sam hartman and joe alt will be your two uh captains on the offense and defensively is a little bit more of a struggle um but when it comes down when it comes down to it uh it 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 was really kind of easy again for me i think it's going to be jd bertrand um and cam hart are going to be your two defensive captains interesting i've got the same two on offense I think it's going to be Hartman and Alt. Completely agree with that. Bertrand is all but a lock. I'm going with Riley Mills, though. I'll say Mills. Okay. 
will be in there. I could see I could see Cam Hart being in there as well, but I'm going to go with Riley Mills, especially just like like uh, the way he's he's stepped up and you know like how much you read into the you know the guys who are out there with the stretching drills and stuff like that. You definitely see Riley Mills up there in that uh, front row. So I'll go with Bertrand Mills, Hartman Alt. We're only one off on there. I wonder if maybe we'll find out this weekend. I think we've got to find out here pretty soon. Derek says Salerno and Faison. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you missed it yesterday. Uh, we were talking about the slapping competition, and uh, Derek said that him and I can practice since we uh, we live so close. <laughs> like the yeah the, the, the ESPN the, slapping competition <laughs> that they've got? Yeah. <laughs> Michael says, Audric Estime. A captain too. I he's thought about of, him, but I just again, it's always your quarterback, and I think Joe Alt is just that guy, right? Like I just think Audrick's right. a year off, in my opinion. I don't know, I don't see him as the leader, but I see Joe Alt as the guy who commands the offensive line, and then Sam Hartman commands the running backs and wide receivers. Yeah. Fill in the blank. It's blank that former Irish offensive coordinator Tommy Reese said this at Alabama this week, quote, we're probably going to look different than we did when I was elsewhere because our personnel is different. I don't have a system that says you have to fit into these squares, end quote, Tommy Reese. It's not a surprise to me. Um, everyone knows that Alabama has, you know, a few more toys uh, then, you know, then compared to everyone else, right. A little bit quicker, a little bit more athletic, whatever it might be. Um, and, and I, I think there is probably a little bit of truth of, you know, Brian Kelly kind of had a particular system that he, he was overall, you know, trying to run year in and year out. And he basically told Tommy Reese, here's kind of the overall system. Um, I want you to kind of fit these guys into, you know, whatever that scheme might be. And, I, I, I do. I, I find some truth to this and, and whether it's as exaggerated as probably what Tommy Reese was making it out to be, I still understand what he's saying. And I, I still think there is some truth to it. I just, you know, I'm sorry. Is this the same Tommy Reese who was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame last year and basically had the autonomy to run his offense? Like this excuse holds water when you're the offensive coordinator under Brian Kelly and you're running his offense, like he did when he started off his career as offensive coordinator. But Brian Kelly, the last I checked, left for LSU last year, and Tommy Reese got to call his own shots last year. So he's talking about, you know, I don't have a system that says you have to fit into these squares. It was your system. You were running your system last year. Now, now, granted, because you were Brian Kelly's offensive coordinator, you were largely running his system but you had the autonomy to do different things. Yeah, like, you know, like the scan offense, you know, like like that slowed everything down to a crawl last year. That was Tommy Reese, right? Like, I, I just, to me, it seems like Tommy learned excuse making from Brian Kelly as well as he learned offense. So <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> All right. It's just how it feels to me. Michael says, Audric Estime seems to be a lightning rod personality. Now, I don't know about lightning rod. I mean, I I think he's got a great personality. He's got a great worth, work ethic, and he's, he's a great player as well. It's just like not everybody can be captain. So I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know that, that, that captain 
is what he's going to be right now. So I think Sam Hartman uh, as the quarterback, I just feel like that's, that's a leadership position, right? Quarterback is a leadership position. That's the guy that you look to there. So I don't, I don't know that Audric's lightning rod, but he's fun to watch. He's fun to listen to for that matter as well. So like both of those fill in the blank. It's blank that the Philadelphia Eagles had 50,000 fans for an open practice in their stadium last week. It's shocking to me, you know, like that's, that is, I've never heard of that kind of number for an open practice this early on in training camp. And I think it shows a couple of things. One, the, the, the fan loyalty, whether you like the Eagles or not, their fans are loyal, even if they're obnoxious and kind of crazy and, you know, everything that, that isn't, that, that comes with being an Eagles fan. Um, and I, I think obviously you see these kind of numbers because of the Super Bowl hype, hype, right? Like they just got off a Super Bowl. They got the franchise quarterback. They had a really good defense. They had a really good draft again this year. I just think a lot of people are, are, are anticipating that, you know, they, 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 they finished that, that nail into the coffin this year. They, you know, they go out and they, they finish the job from last year and win the Super Bowl. So I, I, I think it is very impressive. Um, and I think it's again, shocking that they got this many people out this early into camp. Something that Michael Hahn and, and uh, you and I can disagree on. We hate the Eagles, but it is <laughs> impressive that they were able to, I mean, this is like something that you would expect 50,000 fans. This is something you would expect that, you know, like a place like, Alabama or Georgia you know, right. showing up for the spring game or something like that. This is just an open <laughs> practice in the football stadium. <laughs> That's this is we might should we just end the show with this? Bub says those dummies thought it was a real game. They're probably you know too I mean? drunk to realize what That's the, right. day it is. <laughs> that was That's a good what one. it is. <laughs> <laughs> they all don't have anything else better to do, so they just meander down to to the stadium. Apologies to any Eagles fans <laughs> of the crowd, but that was that was, that a, was good a good one. one. I love it. <laughs> Did you watch any of Hard Knocks this week? I unfortunately have not gotten into Hard Knocks. I have been consumed with watching my Chicago Cubs play. They've had three seven o'clock games this week, so you know that's that's kind of took up my evening time. It was uh, it was the Aaron Rodgers show for the most part. A lot of Aaron Rodgers in there. Um, they brought in Liev Schreiber, the guy who's the, uh, the voiceover guy. And, uh, he actually met Aaron Rodgers because Aaron wanted to meet him. And, uh, so that was, that was kind of the most exciting thing that happened, but you saw a lot of Aaron Rodgers and uh, the Jets love Aaron Rodgers and all that kind of stuff. I'm it's, I'm going to be really curious to see if we get any actual insights because the Jets have basically said, we're going to give you as little as possible. I guess. So I'll be curious to see if they keep the focus on Aaron Rodgers or, you know, like, are they able to shift it to some other places as this thing goes on? But it's pretty much what I've said all along. Like, and, and I think it was on the show that Aaron Rodgers, like, I think that like all this, I think he just really wanted to be in a big city. Like, I don't think he was very happy. Being in no, Green he Bay. wanted more of Aaron Rodgers in the face and the publicity and the, you know, getting his name out there a little bit more. And, you know, you know, what really proves that to me is he took a, a, a he already restructured his deal and the season hasn't even started. He's taking less money 
and, and getting, you know, more time in New York. So I think that that really solidifies exactly what you just said. Yeah, I think so as well. I, I think he really wanted to be there and he's doing all this different stuff in New York City. Like he's want, wanted to be where the action is and he's where the action is right now. So uh, they did do this one. Robert Sala, the, the head coach, got up and, the, you know, there's all there's always hard knocks, especially early on. You've got the coach making, you know, he wants to give some unique spin to the team. And it wasn't like a fire and brimstone and it wasn't, you know, like a Rex Ryan. Let's go get an effing snack and all that kind of stuff. But he told a story about how the crow did you know this? The crow is the only bird that will try to attack an eagle, apparently. And <laughs> if the eagle sees if the eagle sees the crow coming, the eagle just keeps climbing in altitude, going as high as it can. The crow tries to chase, and eventually the crow can't breathe at the higher altitude, but the eagle still can, and the crow dies, I guess, when he gets to that altitude. So that was the uh that was the interesting story that came out of Hard Knocks. <laughs> the crow dies. The motivational. Goes too high. Yeah, that's right. Nickelodeon is going to present the first ever alternate Super Bowl broadcast this season. It's going to be the, uh, you know, the whole kids, kids geared, family geared, the slime and all that different kind of stuff. So what do you think about the, uh, the Nickelodeon broadcast? as an alternate Super Bowl broadcast, first ever. Yeah, I, um, you know, alternate broadcasts, especially for the Super Bowl, not really, I don't think, a fan of. Um, but when you introduce something like this, I think it's unique enough that it maybe gains viewers that you potentially wouldn't, right? Because you might have some kids who are interested in sports, but, you know, their parents are like, ah, do I really want to watch the Super Bowl? Right. And so then this allows it to be, I think, more of like a family oriented, interactive type situation. Like maybe dad's got, you know, the regular Super Bowl on and, and then son's got kind of like the more fun Nickelodeon slime, you know, as people score touchdowns or kick field goals, whatever it might be. I think it's a cool idea to get, you know, a younger group of people interested in football um, earlier on. And that's got to be the mission. And so I don't find anything wrong with it because I'm not going to switch over and watch the Nickelodeon broadcast, right? It's just, <laughs> it's there for the kids. And it, it, I think it's good to, to entertain them and make football more enticing for them a, a, in the long haul. Yeah, I guess like people who are into football, even if you've got kids, I, I'm not sure like if you're watching the Super Bowl that you're going to turn on the Nickelodeon broadcast right. instead. But I, I, I can see like, you go to Super Bowl parties and the adults are in one room, you know, watching the regular <laughs> yeah, broadcast that's, that's and the kids point. go to the other room and watch the Nickelodeon broadcast or something like that. Right. But I, I think it's it, it just continues to be part of the the big picture plan of the NFL, but like both NFL and Major League Baseball, their core audience gets a little bit older every year, you know, like they want to. They want to get these kids when they're young. I think it would be interesting if Major League Baseball came up with something like this, you know, like a, a Nickelodeon type thing to try to get kids, you know, younger kids more invested in, in watching baseball. Find ways to keep it, you know, like if you're sliming, sliming the base runner at first base or whatever it happens to be, 
I think maybe Major League Baseball needs to look at something like this because they've got a huge age problem. I think they finally got a little bit younger in, in, in the last couple of years. Shytown uh, asked if kids will be calling the game. Um, Nate Burleson, who used to work for the NFL, he does still does some stuff for NFL Network, but he did Good Morning Football. When they first did the Nickelodeon broadcast a couple of years ago, he was the analyst. He's going to remain the analyst. Uh, Noah Eagle, who is going to be the Big Ten primetime announcer on NBC, used to be the Nickelodeon play-by-play uh, -play announcer, but because he works for NBC now, he uh, he can't do it. I, I don't think they've announced who's going to be doing the play-by-play, -play, but Nate Burleson will at least be involved in the broadcast once again. So I'll be curious to see what they end up doing. They have had, um, you know, like younger actors and stuff like that involved you know like from nick you know from the nickelodeon channel they've had them involved in the broadcast in the past as well just kind of when, when they first did this I, I remember you know just flipping over to see what it was all about and i think they did a playoff game and and stuff yep. like that so they've had like you know some of the younger actors involved in it so joey molinero a guy maybe you've seen do impersonations of nick saban and others on social media do you, do you ever do you ever look at any of his stuff oh yeah okay so you know who he is he tweeted recently about wearing jerseys to watch football games you know like put your jersey on when you're watching the game and that kind of stuff someone came at him and said males should not be wearing jerseys in their homes watching games after the age of 12 so where do you stand jesse <laughs> on men wearing jerseys to watch games so I think it's it's a tale of two two tapes. I think you get more leniency if you're actually going to the game. Um, but I, I have come up with my own mental uh, philosophy on this issue recently, um, and I'm just going to lay it out. I think that you should, as a man, be able or woman, be able to wear a sports uniform or a sports jersey until you have kids. I think that's kind of where I draw only the line. Only until you have kids. Okay. And only until you. I think once you have kids, that's where you kind of you, you kind of cut it off, and and you, that's like your true becoming of a man moment. And I, I think that really puts you into adulthood at that point. But I think, yeah, I think I think it's there's nothing wrong with like a 20 year old guy showing up to a you know a, a baseball game in a jersey or a football game in a jersey. Again, I think I draw the line where you have kids. That's where you stop wearing the jerseys. Mr. 2.0 says men should not wear other men's names on their backs. And I used to fall into that. I never thought about it the way you laid it out there, Jesse. Like after you have kids, you shouldn't. But I, I, I've i never been a big jersey wearer. But like since you, you know, have been off to college and now off on your own, you know, doing your own thing. Like when you were growing up, you never saw me walking around wearing jerseys and stuff like that. But now that I'm a little older and maybe it's just a nostalgia thing, you know, like I've got my throwback Cowboys jersey that I'll put on like maybe once or twice a season when I'm watching a game. But that's that's really the extent of it. Obviously, I'm working when I'm doing Notre Dame stuff. So I've never done it a lot, but I don't have a problem with it. It's like if you're going to shell out the money to buy whatever jersey, because, you know, those things aren't cheap. Yeah. Wear it whenever you want to wear it. Do your thing. I think it's funny what Mr. 2.0 said. Men should not wear. I know you just highlighted that comment. Men should not wear uh, another man's name on the back of their uh, on their backs. It's actually really funny. I have a friend who believes in this thought philosophy, so he buys just blank jerseys. 
So that and, you're not wearing someone else's name. On yeah. And so yeah. And his other thought process is, you know, with guys being traded all the time and, and et cetera, it, you can't, you can't run into that issue if you just go with a blank uniform on the back, right. Or you just go with a blank uniform. And so we went to a Reds game about oh, maybe a month ago and he bought a full fledged authentic Reds Jersey, just had no one's name on the back of it. It's a way to go. We're not Marshall. Is it a bad thing to wear a jersey to a wedding? Preferably your wedding. Um, depends on how long you want to stay married, I think. Maybe if you were under, you know, as the undershirt, but uh-huh. as the main shirt, I don't think that's going to yeah. go over very well. Is it a ballpark wedding? Is it a stadium wedding? Where is the wedding happening? Lots of questions. Uh-huh. Uh, Jalen Smith, as Stymie said, signed with the Saints today good for him i hope it works out you know he was the giants leading tackler last season but that linebacking core that they had was uh one of the lower rated linebacking cores in the nfl the the thing with jalen obviously is just the injury and i i I hope he's able to make it work out but yeah it's just just hasn't looked that good unfortunately the last few years real quick one on this i don't know what you'll think about this. This one came in earlier. Nick asked Bryce James transferring to Notre Dame high school is a good sign for the university of Notre Dame. True or false? I'd say that's a bit of a stretch and false. You know, I don't, I don't, there's not a lot of parallels between the two, but it's actually really funny. Just that the this name, right? Brought, yeah. This question was brought up. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a Notre Dame high school in Toledo, Ohio, you know, uh-huh. that's where Deshaun Kaiser went high to high school. Right. Um, this is funny though because I was on Instagram last night really late and uh I saw this. I just about sent it to you because I thought I thought it was him committing to Notre Dame. I was like, "What? <laughs> what is going on?" Had to look closely. Yeah, I, I had to do a little school, bit of huh? deep diving, but I literally was like this close away from sending it to you like, "We need to talk about this tomorrow." <laughs> nice. Very nice. Excuse me. Well, that's going to do it for today. Thanks for being with us. I just realized we like we gave you almost 90 minutes tonight. We started right at six o'clock and it's almost seven thirty right now. We've been going a while. We had a lot of good stuff to talk about. A lot of good questions. Again, Henry's pooped from listening to me this whole time. (laughs) Just he is. He's crashed out over there now, isn't he? Yeah, he sure is. People were giving you a hard time about your curtain rod without curtains um a little while ago. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, the animals have done their damage on those so those they like to look out that window so we just I was that one with no curtains I was house sitting once and it was the person's house I was house house sitting slash dog sitting and the person's house I was in it was their dogs plus another dog was thrown into the mix I think it might have been like an in-laws dog or you know something like that and they had like the Venetian like the shades, you know, on the front door. And so though, you know, they came down a little bit mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I left, went to work, came back and, uh, like the, the, the bottom two or three blinds were just chewed up. They were wood and they were just, <laughs> those dogs chewed them up while I was gone. You know, and they're like, well, they never did that when we were here. So, well, I'm just a dog sitter. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> get paid enough (laughs) roger dodger fans who wear jerseys at home parties always drink a lot of beer and eat all the nacho cheese dip i think that that's probably a uh, a fair assessment of uh of how that goes 
All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up with that. Don't forget, this is the uh, – we're not doing a Friday rapid fire any, anymore. Brian will have an afternoon show, though, for you tomorrow. We've got another practice viewing tomorrow morning, and then we also get to talk to Marcus Freeman Saturday after practice. We don't get to watch practice Saturday, but we will get to talk to Marcus Freeman. So uh, a few different things coming up over the next couple of days. One more practice viewing tomorrow, then we get to talk to Chancey Stuckey and some Fighting Irish receivers as well. Looking forward to that, and then a couple more practices we'll get to watch next week. And then after that, we're on to game week. 16 days away from Notre Dame and Navy right now. Jess, enjoyed it as always. Go eat some dinner. I will talk to you later. Adios. Hit the like button on your way out. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. And we will talk to you later on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.